hello, this is what they call in the industry, a cold opening. Um, the news of all the goings-on and resignations, resignations I've been drinking at uh, Westminster happened while we were recording the show. So we do eventually get to discussing that this week. But if you're wondering why I go about half an hour without referencing the potential replacement of a Prime Minister, that'll be why. Enjoy the show. What most Hello and welcome to episode 151 of What Most People Think. And just before I get into anything, can I just say, how about the cricket? I know that is the most exclusionary thing you could say at the beginning of a comedy podcast, but my God, if, if Rahul Kohli is listening, and he's not, I just want to blow him a little kiss there. little kiss. If you like cricket, you'll, you'll understand why that was such a satisfying moment. What a prick. Anyway, uh, welcome to What Most People Think and welcome back co-hosting after his much celebrated debut uh, a few months ago, I think, is uh, Nick Dixon, star of GB News, going from strength to strength. That's him and the channel. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, that was a good one. Loads of people liked that. I got great feedback, got some followers from it. So thanks for having me back. Uh, did you, if you had obviously the, the the big takeaway from your last appearance was uh, the the manner in which you'd be comprehensively cold shouldered by the comedy industry. Any any recent cold shoulderings to to report? Do you know what there there haven't been because I live in an echo chamber now. I don't know if I said it yeah. last time, but ever since that incident, I I have everyone muted except people who follow me. I try not to see anything, and, and actually the Daily Star did pick up that story again recently, a year later. And my oh, really? mate sent it to me like, oh, look at this. And it's like, that's not funny to me. That's like, remember this horrific trauma you went through and it, it's back again. So he thinks mm. it's funny to send me this stuff. There is an issue with when you, when you do stuff uh, and when you're doing TV as you are regularly now, is that some of your friends initially will think that they're, they're, what they need to do for you is scan everything that everybody says online about you, screenshot it and send it to you. Uh, <laughs> Do you just think like, I mean, okay, maybe they think they're being helpful. But I I honestly think if I'd had no contact with the comedy industry at all and one of my mates was on telly and someone was calling him a cunt, I I would know that that was probably not something that needed to be forwarded. Yeah, and I'm ultra sensitive with it. So someone, I mean, someone just sent me the other night, I I did a tweet about someone and whether I should have done this or not, I don't know. It's quite a mild joke. It's someone who calls themselves an asexual and they mm. said, you know, I'm asexual, I'm out here at Pride, stay mad because we're not going anywhere. So I just wrote, no one is mad that you're asexual. It's like building a movement around not liking cheese. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's the least offensive thing you could be. I'm sure some days yeah. I've felt like it. But it's, it's got, and my tweet got 11,000 likes at the moment and counting. And it's like, I, I, do I feel, you know, and I feel a bit bad. And then my mate sent me at 2 a.m. the response that this asexual person had said to me. Yeah. I won't even read it because I don't... I wouldn't even read it in case it's negative about me, even though I've just sort of criticized her and got 11,000 likes. And then I feel terribly guilty. And I'm like, what? A... And, the, and the way I've rationalized it is Twitter is just a blood sport. It's horrific all the way around. And I'm just going to deal with that by not looking at the bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny idea that anyone would be angry about you being asexual. It's like not having a favorite genre of music. You right. just don't, you don't actually need to report that. It's so unoffensive. It's so inoffensive, but... And I've got nothing against the person. I just thought it was funny. Do you know what I mean? But then it I'm so funny, sort yeah. of sensitive that I think, Nick, should you be attacking anyone you got attacked? So 
And then my friend sent me what she wrote at 2 a.m. and then I couldn't sleep, even though I didn't read it. So I'm just the most thin-skinned person in the world. Well, you might, you might end up the same place I am, but I, I feel exactly the same way. Is that I have a sort of rule that I'll only really attack politicians or journalists. Because everyone else, I suffer from the same thing as you. You go through it and then you think, you see someone said something ridiculous, you mock it, and then that person gets back to you. And then I've just ended up basically the only person I feel full, fully legitimate to challenge is Boris Johnson, Keir Starmer, or Robert Peston. Right, right. That's fair. I mean, Peston is fair enough. I, I, when my, yeah. At the height of my cancellation, I couldn't even bring myself to criticise Matt Hancock. I was like, my empathy yeah. extended so far. <laughs> Matt Hancock at the peak of his Hancock Gate, whatever it was called, Kiss Gate, I don't remember what it was called now. But yeah. um, that was so ridiculous. But I, st- I couldn't even criticize Hancock. Cause, cause Are you going, empathy- he, he had his reasons. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, he's probably a decent bloke. But then what happens is, Jeff, your empathy gradually declines a bit and you, you get into the rough and tumble of Twitter and then you remember again and you go, oh, maybe this isn't right. So I don't know. I don't know what the well, answer is. Well, look, this, the great thing about this podcast is we deal in the real world. You know, what most people think outside of the, the gilded chambers of social media. We're, we're thinking about what we only talk about the, the stories that really cut through. So to that end, this week, uh, we will be uh, eventually talking about uh, Boris Johnson and this Chris Pincher scandal. I mean, it's all very live as we're recording this there's some sort of a video address that Boris is going to do uh he's been you know there's talk of him being on the brink but I think that that's just a permanent state for him he's on the brink uh, I don't even like saying Boris is on the brink because immediately because of the sexualized nature of his mythology and the, <laughs> the recent stories back I don't even want to think I don't even want to think what that face is uh, we've also got Starmer's slightly weird speech about his new his new take on the e to, on the EU and uh, then we'll be talking about Macy Gray and Bette Midler uh, talking about gender critical issues. Or I don't even know if that is that as offensive to the gender critical movement. I don't know. But Macy Gray and Bette Midler talking about their views on women. There you go. I think that's fair enough. And if we've got time, a bit about new data on fatherless homes. But um, I just want I just want to share with you, Nick, because um, I think it's been interesting when we've had comics coming on, and everyone seems to have uh, weird stories of weird behaviour. Because let's be honest. The whole country is in a weird state of PTSD post-COVID. So I was doing a gig in Blackburn last Friday. I mean, that's the first red flag, just being in Blackburn, full stop. And a woman came down the front mid-set uh, in a wheelchair. She trundled down the front. So I was like, fine. But she uh, she then, she sort, of, she sort of plonked herself in a very weird position and then rolled her wheels back and forward very quickly. And I don't know, genuinely don't know if she was trying to do a wheelie or not. Um, but she came out of the chair, uh, came out of the chair, big, big, big noise, hit the ground. And, and, and so, so what's the dilemma at this point, Nick, as a comic? So as a comic, yes, you're, there's a famous phrase. Well, I mean, it's that famous, actually. Pick up the dynamite. As a comic, you have to reference the awkward thing in the room. Otherwise, it's weird if you don't reference it. And it's potentially hilarious when you do mention it because there's so much tension. But at the same yeah. time... You don't want to be an absolute dick. <laughs> so well, that's, and, that's and the other dilemma. issue was was that she seemed to be drunk, but but with the existence of uh, so I'll give part of the reason that I was it's not about modern sensitivities. I was once at a gig, and every time I was talking, there was a guy at the front who was just nodding his head continually. He kept nodding his head, kept nodding his head, and eventually, I went, all right, mate, you know, there's agreeing and there's taking the piss. And he said, uh, "No, I just have a motor neurone problem that means I I nod a lot." I was like, "Oh fuck you know." So, you know, you've got a woman that comes down the front in a wheelchair who I, you know, 90% certain that she's drunk, but 
You know, with mm-hmm. camera phones around, do, do I take the risk of just calling her out for being drunk? Because ultimately, that was what was causing the problem. She was making strange decisions based on her intoxication, not her disability. Right. And you don't want the headline, right-wing comic heartlessly mocks disabled woman. Nick Nick understands, you see. You, these, these are the playbook. And the, the thing is, the audience in Blackburn, they don't give a shit about Twitter. They don't, they don't, get, they don't really care about the possibility of being cancelled for a viral clip. They're just going, fucking go for her, Jeff. You know what I mean? They just right. want to see the comic do his That's job. That's what I'm they're like, there to see, actually, Jeff. That's what your audience want. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I failed them. You know, we were talking just before we come in here. I've become risk averse in these situations. I was just, I was thinking about health and safety issues. Mm, you're all about, you're all about the bag now, Jeff. You're like, what's going to get me that that sweet cash? Well, it's not in the cash. I just don't want any hassle. I'm 45. Right. The problem is, as well, once you've got like, a, I've got a six-year-old son, is that you know, if I was to get cancelled for something now. I've one day got to explain to him why daddy had to go back into teaching. And I guarantee that whatever it was I got cancelled for won't seem worth it by the time he's old enough to understand it. And the articles live forever, you know. There's still, there's, there'll be pieces yeah. on pink news of me out there forever, like straight white male shit dickhead complaints. I honestly don't know. Like during, during the absolute heat of the Brexit years, I was, you know, I was get, going out there fighting the fighting the fight all the time. I was trending after an appearance of question time for calling Donald Tusk, uh, saying it, saying he didn't have any balls. And, and I just, I, I just, that feels like such a different version of me now. I just you trending as uh, Jeff Norcott stupid? Jeff Norcott stupid. <laughs> yeah, to, that, was my, that was my additional subcategory word. And this is, this is the thing now, Nick. He's like, I just, I just, you know, I saved those opinions for... For my wife, basically, the most, the worst stuff I have to say now. My wife, she hears it just before she goes to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm saying that, you know, in this podcast, we will be talking about the biological definition of a woman, which is always um, interesting territory to be in. Um, Do you say that have... to your wife just before bed? It's an adult human female. Good night. Yeah, well, I mean, like, but it sort of sounds like the worst sexy chat before bed, babe. Do you know <laughs> hey, what babe, I see? Is, do you know what a biological woman is? Well, she's got. She's got boobs and she's got a vagina and she's got long hair. What most people think. Um, since you were last on, we have a um, we have a a format point, domain talking point. One of our super patrons, David Domain, and uh, he he comes back to me on the previous week's show. So we was uh, had Aisha Hazarika on uh, last week. Had a very interesting chat with her. And by the way, a few of you said to me, uh, uh, "She's a lefty, always slagging off the Tories, not listening." Uh, she doesn't in this episode. Actually, she's she's got more criticism for the Labour Party. So I think you should listen to it, man. Don't you be a snowflake, all right, dear listener? Okay, just because there's someone on from the other side. We've got Nick Dixon this week, massive fucking, you know, creationist, um, yeah. Tory, and... <laughs> All the worst things. I mean, All the worst. You, See, you'll never even listen to the podcast again after this one's over. You, you just stick around. There'll be someone you agree with shortly enough. But, uh, but he came back about the idea of bad news selling, which I think was from a few episodes ago. And he, David Domain, double D, uh, says, you're correct to say that bad news sells. Human minds are hardwired to look for threats or danger all the time, which makes sense from an evolutionary self-preservation perspective. However, looking for problems when things are fine is called weatherproofing by psychotherapists. Interesting concept. I love David. He's a, also a fan of, of GB and, he, and he's messaged me as well. Top guy. Yeah, yeah, GB Some News. Some crossover great. there. Great, great, great. You know, you're the thing, I'm always, I'm always hyping GB News, having, you know, their stars on. No? Can I, what? You can, you can. No, no, what, hyping GB News? You want me to, yeah. you want me to plug it? 
No, no, it's, it's doing well, isn't it? The ratings. Oh it's, yeah, well, we're, we're 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 beating we're beating Talk TV. We're absolutely smashing them. I mean, good luck to them. But yeah, and our show headliners at 11pm is doing is doing very well. We're building and we're doing we're doing pretty well. For just a little humble newspaper review show at 11pm, we're, we're doing well. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been popping up on the talk TV one. Let's let's not range as Celtic this, all right? No, you're right. We don't need to get tribal on it. Um, partly because yeah. what if um, what if what if Murdoch uh, buys GB News, which I read in one article, and then I've been slagging them off too much. That did come into my mind. You know what I mean? No, you yeah, like it. You're fucking opinionated, Nick. I like it. Even <laughs> when you're slagging me off, that takes some fucking balls. But you're fired, but rehired. <laughs> um, Can I just ask, Jeff? Sorry to... Mm. So, I don't want to try and take over your podcast. What did you say to the disabled woman? Were you just teasing that? And you're actually not going to tell us? Or did you tell us? Well, I no, I had to sort of kill time while... Because it turned out that the venue staff um, weren't insured to, to pick her up. Um, so then uh, the security staff from the front door actually were so we had to wait for the security staff to come down and then in the process of them putting her back in the chair it was clear that she was just really drunk uh, and then they were trying to say to her I mean this is this is the problem with it isn't you know saying to a disabled woman we think it might be better if you sit at the back of the room you know it doesn't sound great <laughs> but there were very specific reasons for that you know for, for the show because uh, she sort of rolled into View, but she sort of went straight by the speaker, and she was kind of lit. It was almost like she was slightly on stage. And look, I'm I'm all for look. My my mum was in a wheelchair. You couldn't find a guy that was more alert to. Well, you probably could. Let's be honest. But you know, I'm aware of the problems that disabled people face in public spaces. But one thing I'm not going to do, Nick, is share the fucking limelight. It's good that you're saying this now, Jeff, because this is a preview of the interviews you'll be doing. Look, my yeah. mum was in a wheelchair. I'm the last yeah. person that would, etc. And meanwhile, the headline is right wing comic blast disabled woman. Get to the back. Quote, yes. Colon, right wing comment blast disabled woman struggling. At, well, at the, front. The, the amazing thing about now is that the fact that both my parents were disabled would not even come into it when people were dealing with my comments. They'd go, that doesn't mean anything. You go, well, it actually, it actually fucking does mean something. You know? That's your lived experience. That's my well, and the other one as well that I find interesting along those lines is um, you know when you say people, someone says well, not my best friend's black and people just discount that and they go well that doesn't mean anything you go well I, I think you know I think it's there's something in there I'm not saying it it precludes racism completely but it certainly suggests that on a human level uh, you, you don't see certain barriers right I've always thought Jeff you've said something I've thought about for years I've always thought that is a pretty solid argument. Yeah. That you're not, you know, people always say, oh, yeah, my, my best man was Muslim. So that means nothing. I'm like, not nothing, is it? I mean, it, it, okay, yeah. it might not mean everything. It might be a bit more complex, but it still means quite a lot, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like if there was a trial of whether or not you were fundamentally a bigot, I think that that would be admissible evidence. Yeah, this is why when I attack, if I have a proper Pride Month or something, which I sort of t- anticipate myself doing at some point, you know, my my mate and an, an employer is Andrew Doyle, so no one can touch me, Jeff, because some of my best friends are gay. Some of your best friends are gay, but my how gay though? I mean, that's what I was... well, they lose their gay card. They get told on Twitter they're not gay anymore, and um, that was amazing. I was in the taxi there actually, and the, the taxi driver was a proper geezer, Tony, mm. and he was just a proper geezer. But he and you would never th- thought it, but he was an, he was a big Andrew Doyle fan. And he, was a, he mentioned Jordan Peterson as well. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's all, the way they treat Andrew Dort. They send these, they say like, oh, you know, he's not even gay. He's homophobic, but he's gay. And I was like, it's amazing that we're at a level where taxi drivers like know about like the, it's, I'm not sure if it's a good or a bad thing, but they know about the culture war and they're sympathetic with the plight of Andrew Doyle on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, this is why this is why you know what most people think. What most people in this country are sensible, grown up, and fair. And what they've realised is that a gay man being attacked for being homophobic—it's a bit fucking weird. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, if you were at that point where you're trying to discount somebody's very sexuality just because it mean it, it, it it's kind of makes you slagging them off difficult, you think, well, you know what? I'm just going to remove that. Is it to be honest? It's exactly the same as removing the context of things being jokes. You go, well, that makes it difficult for me to make the point I want to make, so I'm going to actually discard that information. Well, you're, you're gay, doesn't mean doesn't mean a thing. Um, I'm just going to big shout out to the board members. So uh, we now have a new tier of patron here. This is kind of unofficial, and it's a beautiful thing happening here, is that people pledging over 20 quid a month, 20 quid and upwards, you are board members, okay? So you're not just getting shout outs once. Uh, I'm going to shout out the board members regularly. So welcome to board members David Domain, David Kane, Adam Lewis, Jonah Riddestrom, Martin Cox, Steve Temple, Temple of Doom, Steve, David Smith, Nick Selms and Phil Morgan, the board members. And board members, just stay stay tuned because I, I will be getting in touch. I'm going to try and set up a group uh, on the Patreon uh, to, to, you know, because you're investors, you know, like you're all investors. Every single one of the patrons is an investor. But these guys are like Kendall in succession. And there's Absolute legends. Can I just say, I know David is, already is a legend. The other ones sound like legends and they sound like uh, white men wearing polo shirts, which we both are currently as well. We both are. I mean, that's one <laughs> thing you would say is that, is that where is the female representation on the board? Please, let's break the glass ceiling, said Jeff, only because it owns, earns him more money. But let's just get that female voice in there because I, I, you know, I like diverse investments. I mean, yes. more, sorry, more investments. More it investments. doesn't sound good. Is it? The right-wing comic whose board members are exclusively men. Okay, well, let's, uh, I'm welcoming some new patrons this week. Actually, these were carried over from last week, so apologies that I missed these out last week. We've got Mark Ryan, uh, Never Trust a Man With Two Names, uh, you mean two first names? Two, yeah, sorry. Yeah. M- many people have two names. <laughs> Unless you're so posh, like, I only trust people with double barrel names. I only trust three. Pele and Slash. <laughs> and Ronaldo. <laughs> okay, and that's it. Uh, Mark Ryan, uh, Steve Calder, who just sounds like a centre-back. I don't know why. Steve Calder just sounds like, you know when those centre-backs Good are in nuts? the air. Good in the air. Not so many balls clear. He has, like, early, bad dementia at the age of 50, you know. Yeah, get stitches carries on in the game yeah yeah one of those ones with the the white yeah the white uh, bandaging around his head blood across his eye proper terry butcher uh we got lee wren lee wren lee wren is very much a football female lee wren is either he's either a left back or he's in the new star wars movie lee wren yeah or he's like uh like a like hot property chinese filmmaker Oh, yeah, yeah. Possibly. You know, you know, like when you get, so there's that guy Taika Waititi and people just think their name is so cool. They love saying the name again and again. I, I really love the new film by Taika Waititi. Do you see the way they say Taika Waititi? Have you heard of the new one from Lee Wren? It does sound cool, doesn't it? Yeah, a bit of a Jet Lee about it. Lee might now tell me that he's from Dartford and <laughs> like his, when he did his uh, DNA ancestry, it was like 104% Caucasian. Yeah, I'm convinced you're being racist in that statement. I don't know quite how yet. No, I'm, I'm standing by it. We've got Colin, who's a one-namer. Colin, uh, I would say Colin works at The Guardian, but not in an editorial role. So he just he just is angry the whole time. So he won't even admit that he's listening to the Jeff Norcott podcast. He won't. That's what we always presume that about one-namers. One I think he works in sales as well, advertising sales. So he sees the real, like, the effect of, of, <laughs> of unpopularity. You know, and, and niche opinions. He's out there slogging his fucking guts out, and then there'll be some editorial that loses them even more 
Uh, but you know, the Guardian, the Guardian do all right online. It's just physical sales, don't they? They don't. No one wants to pay for what they do. Yeah. Well, all I know is they're the only one that beg for money at the end of the piece, which is just not a good look. Well, is it, is it weird? I've always thought it's a weird thing about newspapers, right? It's right-wing newspapers. The, the names of them are very matter-of-fact. The Times, The Telegraph, all right? They're going to tell you stuff. They're not, they don't need to be seen as a good person, whereas the left-wing newspapers, The Guardian, uh, The Independent, The Observer. Yeah. You know what I mean? mean? They're giving yeah, it the, the big... the great guys, <laughs> the legends, the legend, the daily yeah. legend. Uh, Greg Sloss, Greg Sloss. Just Greg Sloss just sounds like a really successful rep. Greg Sloss. Greg Sloss. Yeah. You only see him two year, two times a year at the company parties. Yeah, it could be a dentist, but that could be because I'm thinking of floss. Greg Sloss, yeah, like Cockney Roman slang for floss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it a good Greg Sloss, mate. Yeah, 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 give it the old Greg Sloss. So, so thank you uh, to all board members, all patrons at every single level. Uh, you are the reason that we haven't had a fucking advert yet. Notice that? No mm. adverts at all. And, and you're the so, reason the podcast has been almost exclusively talking about the Patriots. <laughs> well, that, you know, but that's different. You know, right. when, it, when it's, when, I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and work out how it's different. But the point is, is that, look, one thing I don't do is have to do is pretend to use products that I don't use. I genuinely am grateful to the patrons. Right. I don't have to sit here and say, whoa, God, I'd like to thank Manscaped. Yeah. Nick, I don't know. Like, it would, <laughs> we just interrupt the chat and I go, Nick, you're a well-groomed guy. Um, I've always had issues with my sack and crack. And I think, <laughs> I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit and have a treatment. Are you aware that there's a new product called Home Sack and Crack? Tell me more, Jeff. Yeah, well, obviously you can't do the back, but they've worked out that you can do the sack and crack. Wow, how can, how can I get 10% discount on that? Well, it's funny you should mention that. Um, just go to Home Sack and Crack and enter the code Sack and Crack. Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Okay, so just before we get into the main subjects here, we're going to do a thank you and a fuck you. Uh, Nick has got a couple here. I just want to get a quick one in before we go. Is I did a, a birthday party for Nick Selms. And before anybody contacts me and goes, oh, come and do mine, these are professional engagements, people, all right? You, got, you, you know, you got to pay the way. But Nick, Nick's doing all right for himself. But he also, this was an absolute pleasure. Nick, and Nick Dixon, you'd have done ones like this where you have what's called in the game a corporate. And then you have one phone, phone call with a person you think, well, this is actually a top bloke. And then you actually get there and do it. And it's arguably better than a gig. And all of the people <laughs> at, at his party were, I mean, the f- funny thing was I'd done fry, uh, Blackburn the night before, which I enjoyed, but it, it, there was choppy moments. And then I did what's corporate, which in our game is supposed to be like the hardest gigs in the world. And it was it was an absolute joy. So thank you to Nick and happy belated 50th birthday. Definitely no adverts on the podcast, though. Yes, and that is key. And the thing between you and me, Jeff, and it's perhaps why you've done a lot better than comedy. It could just be your ability is that I would turn down any gig that sounds like anything like that. Someone asked me to do a 40th birthday. No, thanks. Any weddings. Anything that sounds at all awkward, I've barely done corporates. I just, I just can't handle the awkwardness. I can't even, I couldn't even do Zoom gigs. Let me just work you through the fees then. Okay. So you're going to turn it down. £1,000, no gig. What's the gig? Well, it's the it's 50th birthday party, £1,000 for a 20-minute set. 2000 Hang on a minute. I'm st- at 1000 I'm like... £3,000. No, yeah, of course I'd do it for that. <laughs> Right. I mean, this is... I'm just not getting offered the right fees. That's what we've learned here. Well, look, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, it's the old Oscar Wilde. We've established what you are. Let's just haggle about the price. Then again, then again, Jeff, when someone did ask me to do this birthday, they said, what would you charge for it? I could have said, yeah, two grand. 
But I actually just said, no, nah, I, I turned down the whole thing. So actually, you could argue I don't have a prize because I turned it down. It was potentially a million and I turned it down. Something tells me you won't be turning down the next one. Okay. <laughs> uh, your thank you and your fuck you. Ah, now the thank you, Jeff. Uh, this was organized a bit last minute and I've had a hectic day and I was thinking, Nick, come up with a thank you that won't get you hated. And um, I just couldn't. So I'm just going to go with the, the one that will get me in trouble. Yeah. I'm going to thank you. You've got with the my... Leo Curse strategy, which is yeah. instead of saying thank you, just, just slag off something else, but under the guise of a thank you. I wanted to thank my friend Lois McClatchy because she's a very sweet person. She, she went on the... So I, I met up with her, actually. Then she went to do a BBC spot about pro-life stuff. And then the next day, a Scottish MP tried to get her cancelled in Parliament or said, why are the BBC platforming this? I couldn't believe it. I was like... So, what, so your friend, who is she? What does she normally yeah, do? Yeah, so I'm going to explain. So she's called Lois McClatchy and she works for this organisation, the ADF. And they are a pro-life organisation, right? And so what happened was Scotland's introducing this thing called buffer zones and basically they don't want pro-life people to be anywhere near an abortion center and and will essentially curtail their free speech because they won't even be allowed to speak Mm. on the street and so what the pro-life people are saying is we don't want to harass anyone harassment's already illegal we certainly don't want to do that we just want to give women options because we do hear about you know women being forced to have a baby and we hear all these horrific incidents but we don't hear that much about for example i knew someone personally who their boyfriend convinced them to have an abortion they said they was, they'd commit suicide if they had the kid. Then later, this person had a medical issue, couldn't have children, and that's a, that's a terrible regret for us. So mm. we don't hear about that side where you do have other options. If you actually genuinely... You don't want to harass anyone, but if someone genuinely was not sure, you could give them other options. Now, that's, what, that's all they want to do, but there's this buffer zone thing that says, no, you're not going to be allowed anywhere near. And so all Lois did was give the pro-life side on BBC Scotland, because she's Scottish, and then this MP, in the next day, I couldn't believe it, said... You know, why are we platforming this? Obviously, the BBC has to give both sides. It's the Royal Charter. That's why mm. we're platforming it. So I wanted to yeah. thank her for being brave to do that because, as you know, Jeff, it's not the most popular position, especially now and especially in this country. Mm. So it does take some bravery, in my opinion, no, to no, give that I think side. I was just thinking, you know, given it's what most people think, I, I genuinely, I, I get a sense of the, the divide in the States on this issue. I honestly don't know in Britain what the polling is. I, I haven't seen any polling, which makes me wonder whether or not it's a bit closer than people would think. I am certainly a, a pro-choice person. but So that issue that you're talking about is, is protesting outside the clinics. That is a tricky one, man, isn't it? Because, yeah, you're right, there absolutely is a freedom of speech issue there. But the idea of having to go... if you That's the problem. If you have to go and have it done and then being... You know, and you, you, I, I don't believe that you, for one second, would be somebody that would heckle or, or unpleasantly and, and the people that you know but I'm sure that it tips over sometimes right it's a tr- it's fucking tricky man yes well I would never stand outside in the abortion clinic screaming at, at women not since the, the restraining order but but no I would never do that but but uh you know it's a free speech issue but I understand that's not going to be a popular stance but that's why I want to thank her she's such a sweet person she's she has yeah. the best intentions and I just think it takes a lot of bravery and um what was I was going to say, I was going to reply to one thing you said. Oh, yeah, what the temperatures of the debate in England. Well, I think the temperature is a bit heated because, and a bit crazy because GB News, which I'm told is this right-wing station, it isn't, it's regulated by Ofcom, it's painfully neutral, but, you know, it goes, goes out of its way to have balance, let's say. Um, they, they featured two people in as many days saying that we should have abortion up to nine months, which is an incredibly 
radical yeah. position. I mean, that's where I'm, I'm way. I'm off the train like a lot of stops before then. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the, the debate's got so radical that it's like Christopher Hitchens, a big lefty, in 2007 was saying, "Hey, this idea that it's it, uh, the baby is an appendage of the woman or something, and that therefore you should be able to abort up to 19, uh, nine months." So is uh, is awful and luckily has gone by the wayside and he was saying in 2007 luckily we've seen the back of that from a left-wing perspective now in 2022 people on gb news are doing monologues saying the baby has no rights which are not even legally true up to nine months and, and people saying we should have the right to i find that absolutely shocking personally. yeah no I, I i think and you know look we all have our own personal experience which might guide our reactions to that i certainly do but that 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 to me is fairly astonishing uh what about your fuck you given the after all that pleasantness let, let's go for something <laughs> negative <laughs> yeah well that one i mean I, I, my thank you is probably gonna get me more trouble than my i can't even say i'm gonna say f you because i'm so tv trained jeff but there's so many jeff i could go with hmrc who sent me a letter saying i owe them for the last two years tax when i don't so adult life is just a series of opening letters and wincing, I've found. You know, who's going to ask me for money now? But that's not a very relatable one for the, for the rest of people. I could go Gary Lineker for saying those people sitting on the F1 tracks will be viewed kindly by history. I could go for Gary Lineker almost every week. I'm going to no, go... No, I'm for, always up for Gary Lineker. I mean, but, there's but, so but, many... But, the but, scouts have gone woke. The NHS is making, having stupid brainstorming sessions that we could go into. But I'm going to go with... Anyone who uses their dumb politics as an excuse not to work, and I've got two main examples. One was a woman called Danielle Droppers at the Oregon Health Authority, and she had this amazing thing where she wanted to... I'll just, I'll just read it out to you. She said, thank you for your interest in attending the community conversation between regional health equity coalitions and community advisory councils. Anyway, it goes on and on. This is the key bit. We recognise that urgency is a white supremacy value that can get in the way of more intentional and thoughtful work, and we want to attend to this dynamic. Therefore, we will reach out at a later date to reschedule. We haven't bothered because it's white supremacy to rush. Absolute madness. Well, the, the incredible thing about that is it actually invokes quite an old negative stereotype. Of course it does. It's about, racist. About, about like, sort of almost like the idea of lateness and... and and the, it's the, this is what some of the most extreme kind of woke stances on whiteness and race. They eventually circle back to yeah. the, it's almost like saying, well, they're the only, they're the only ones that fucking get a shift on. You know what I mean? That's essentially seems to be what she's saying. Can I give you my second one that's even better? On that theme of people trying to get out of work, Michael Lopez for the Universal Music Enterprises was where he worked, uh, UME. He says, I'm a queer brown person and I was fired during Pride Month for speaking up in defense of abortion rights. So what he did was he sent out this email. They wanted these schedules done. He said, I didn't do them today. I'm in mourning due to the attack on people with uteruses in the US, not women. Uh, mm. Federally guaranteed access to abortion is gone. So he used the, the Roe versus Wade decision as excuse to not do his work. And he said... Vivendi and Universal Music Group must stop donating to anti-abortion, anti-queer and anti-trans politicians or expect more unproductive days. Yours in fury, Michael Lopez. Oh, <laughs> and then, that. inevitably, he got sacked because that's not a reason to not do your work. Yeah. And he complained about it and said, a brown queer person terminated during Pride Month. How dare they? And what really bothered me, I mean, <laughs> one thing that bothered me about that is like, 
Pride Month is already kind of corporate nonsense. It, 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 lots of gay people don't like it. Okay, if you like it, fine. But it doesn't really make sense. Like, during Pride Month, that's like me saying during Nick Dixon week. It's like, yeah, but you've kind of just made yeah, up that, that week that, anyway. That's not giving someone their P45 at their dad's funeral, is it? I mean, Exactly. That's what, I, that's what I thought. It's like, yeah, your dad just died. Okay, we won't fire him right now. It's like during Pride Month. It's like, well, if you're going to have a whole month and you've got events still on the 2nd of July, like we're going to have to fire you at some point. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a long month. But um, and my favorite. And the other thing was he didn't. He, he sorry. He wrote how companies expect us to be productive, but he put company apostrophe s Jeff instead of companies plural. That alone would be a sacking offence for me. Okay, let's get into the first big story, which is uh, Boris Johnson and Chris Pincher. So just a quick timeline on this. Sometime. Last week, it was last Wednesday, wasn't it? It emerged that there was a, uh, a Tory MP assistant chief whip, Chris Pincher. I mean, can we just go, right, so he's been a bit handsy slash sexually assaulty with some of his aides who are men. Can you just, is this really happening, Nick, that there's a guy who's a bit handsy called Pincher? I I'm not even was, past that. I'm not, I, I thought that was extraordinary. That the only way it could have been worse is if it was called Chris, yes, I touched those two boys. Do you know what I mean? If that was his yes. name, a long double barrel <laughs> sort of thing. Because Chris Groper arguably could have been worse, but it is amazing. What are the odds? I mean, the odds of being an MP who's probably touched yeah. someone are pretty high, but the odds of being that your name's then Pincher, it's extraordinary. Chris Groper just does sudden, it does sound like a plausible name, doesn't it? It totally does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I found myself torn on this, Jeff. I mean, do you want to go into it? Because, because not torn is too strong. I'm against groping. I would never do it. I, I've never mm. groped anyone. I've been groped, but Leo Curses apologized. He was, he was on meth, apparently. But my point is, it's one of these weird ones you find yourself, you don't want to defend it, but he has been seeking medical help for his mental health. Decision. And so you, you don't want to go too hard on it. But then again, you go, well, anyone can just use a mental health excuse. But I think yeah. we've got to be innocent until proven guilty, but it doesn't sound great. That's my position. Yeah, I think the fact that he sought men- medical help means that the summons happened. And the fact that he took this coming out for him to seek medical help is, is slightly the, the problem. Oh, do you think it's about that? I thought it was about just being attacked because I know what it's like to be attacked on a minor scale and that was bad enough. Imagine you're attacked by the whole nation for, for being a pincher. Wouldn't you just feel suicidal? Yeah, yeah, but this is the problem. Is it, to what extent do you hold people account for, for actions? Because you could always say that whatever bad stuff people have done, at what exactly. point on the scale of, of, of misdemeanours do, do you then say, well, it's, it's, it's okay to, to hold people accountable? I mean, there is just this yes. slight difference for MPs. They're elected by the public. <laughs> To, well, to if you're R. Kelly locking people in a basement and you've just been put away for 30 years, maybe that's a line where you couldn't get out of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, Can I had we a just mental remember health that, that there's, a, ma- there's a, a human man at the heart of this who is also a father. I mean, yes, one of the sickest paedophiles that we've ever known. But, you know, he's not. He's struggling. He's struggling. Um, so what happened was initially number 10 were like, uh, obviously realising that, you know, assistant chief whip is quite a responsible position in terms of dealing with complaints and so on. They've gone, well, we've, uh, what, what? What, Chris, what are you talking about? Oh, fucking hell, wouldn't you know? And they've denied any knowledge that he had any sort of reputation here. And then bit by bit, you know, this is classic thing with number 10 at the moment. It turns out that, surprise, surprise, oh, oh, you know, oh, sorry, Chris Pincher. Sorry, I thought you said, Wayne. yeah, yeah, there might have been a little thing. And and it kind of, um, it peaked this morning with Lord MacDonald, who's come on and done the media rounds and said that there was a meeting 
And and apparently this geezer is not one for shooting his mouth off. Do you know what I mean? Like he's not he's not one of these civil servants. You know, he's not one of the the Romaniac kind of like uh, uh, sort of secret splinter cells. This guy really didn't want to talk in public, but he's he's had enough. And he said, no, you actually did know that this guy had uh, had accusations. Uh, and then. And then number 10 of, of backpedaled they had to delay briefings. And as we say, as we're recording this, that it might have even already gone out, uh, is something by Boris. He might have fucking resigned. Who knows? So I'm just actually going to quickly check BBC News just to check that Boris hasn't fucking resigned. Um, Sunak, whoa! Sunak and Javid quit cabinet as PM admits pincer mistake. Whoa, that is... Oh, my well, God. As, as they say, start the car, as David Lloyd would say in the cricket. Well, we, that is fucking massive. That oh, is, huge, yeah. you're getting live reacts, as the kid would say. Well, that is, so that is your chancellor and your health secretary. And they won't be the last. This could be, we could be talking about the final rights for the Grease Piglet here. That's huge, isn't it? Yeah, Rishi and, and, and Javid, that's huge. Yes, and and the the problem was, I mean, there was this image that went round, this video that went round earlier. I don't know if you saw it; it was, it was very funny. Was um, it was a it was a you, you know there was this meeting of the cabinet. You look, you look really gutted, Nick. It's, it's, I'm I mean, just looking at Twitter, sort of stunned. I'm sort of yeah, stunned. You're getting my yeah. live stunned silence. It's quite it's quite poignant. I, well, I mean, we've thought that this moment might be coming for a, for a while, and there was this video of the cabinet meeting earlier. And it was all in grey. And it was funny because it was Boris speaking, but then it panned round like Suella Braverman and Teresa Coffey. And it had that song by um, Tears for Fears. Uh, all around me are familiar faces, yeah. worn out faces. And you just thought, look, you can't use body language to make, to, to make a call on something as big as this. But I looked at all those people and thought, they've had enough of him. They've absolutely had enough of going over the top only to be made to be look like absolute pricks. Yeah, and do you know what? It'd be funny if we just said, who's your next pick, Jeff? Felita, if we just immediately like just jumped on this and sort of, you know, in real time started picking... That's what they'll be doing. My favourite, because you mentioned her there, my pick is Suella Braverman. I don't know if she's quite ready or not yet, but yeah. she's my pick for the best new leader. Because, you know, women of colour should get a chance, but also because she seems to be uh, quite aligned with some of my views. She doesn't give a fuck, does she? I mean, I did question time with her, and um, fair, in fairness to her, she'd, uh, she faced down a fairly hostile crowd in Hackney. You know, the worst one is even Jacob Rees-Mogg. He, he almost loves defending the indefensible like it's a fucking parlour game, doesn't he? He's, He's very like, good at this, and he goes, well, I oh. think you'll f- if you, well, no, that's not quite right. And then he, I yeah, don't recognise <laughs> those exact words. Yeah, he's very, very smart at that. But it's this thing with, well, Swella Brahman, someone messaged me privately saying, I know someone that works for her and she's, she's even more conservative in private. I love that, like, you have to be conservative in private. Like, even if you're in the conservative <laughs> party, it's in the name. You know I mean? But they're all like, no, secretly they're more conservative. Reminds me of that brilliant cartoon the other day. Someone is um, sort of burning someone at the stake and they whisper to them, by the way, I completely agree with you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, That's well, where I mean, what, we are what a, what, a familiar, what a familiar thing that is so, in the age of social media. Perfect, um, isn't it? Some, by the way, someone's tweeted, Boris Johnson has been prime minister for... 1,081 days, 35 less than Theresa May managed. You feel like May was barely in and you feel like Boris, it feels like a lot, he's been in longer, doesn't I, it? I, I, thought, I thought he'd been Prime Minister for longer than her now. I think he's, I thought he'd gone past her. her and Because um, she was Prime Minister from 2016 through to 2019. Maybe, maybe. I mean, what is the reason that the, the, the 
cabinet ministers have defended him so far. Is it like, you know, a lot of people say with the way that Boris treats women and his relationships, is it like an abusive relationship where actually they just don't want to give the other mums at the school gate the satisfaction of being right? I personally think it's because he's a proven winner and there's just a lack of of viable alternatives or clear alternatives and they're just terrified Mm. about losing because Boris wins. But, so, I I agree with you, like, in, in his London mayoral role... He was a great campaigner and, and he governed really effectively. The 2019 election was a good one to win because you're up against Corbyn, you're up against Labour, who didn't have a Brexit position. His favourability at that time wasn't spectacular. I mean, it's always that Boris won the, the election. I just, I just don't know. I agree with you about the lack of viable alternatives. But at this point, I just wonder if there are t- so many people that would never vote Conservative while he's in charge that they just have yeah. to get rid of him for that reason alone. Well, when it all started to change, I noticed, of course, is when they started talking about looking at losing their seats. There was polling about, you know, you'll there was, when the polls suggested that MPs would lose their seats, that's when they start turning against him. You know what I mean? If they think he's going to mm. win and they're going to win, they'll vote for him. If they think they're going to lose, they'll turn against him. Well, I mean, developments will be happening. We should be live on air right now, shouldn't we? Um, but I'm sure yeah. that they'll. I'm sure that they're going to be further. Div- so if any of you pricks, right, this is sometimes what happens with TV and um, podcasts, people go, well, yeah, great podcast, failed to mention that the Prime Minister resigned. Uh, let's just timestamp this. This <laughs> is uh, Tuesday, the fucking uh, 5th of July at 6.30 in the evenings. Okay, well, look, the Johnson thing is a live story. We might check in uh, with the news again uh, as we go, but let's go on and talk about Keir Starmer. Okay, so while Boris is teetering on the brink, or might well have even gone, uh, Keir Starmer is also, because of, you know, Beergate, there's still this chance that there might be a fine there. And, and, you know, he's got growing dissent within the ranks for not basically having a position on fucking anything ever. And so into this, last night, he does this speech about uh, Brexit. Uh, No reporters there. Uh, Basically, the only person still doing Zoom gigs. And he he gives his view on the EU. Basically, he's like, I'm actually all right with Brexit. But, you know, he's like, no, no single union market, no customs union. Out, mate, fucking out. Which, for the hard left, your mates, Nick, for the hard left, mm-hmm. is, is a bitter pill to swallow because we are talking here about the, the, the most pro-EU member of the shadow cabinet under Corbyn, um, you know, attended a rally for a people's vote. Do you remember? Oh my God, let's just stop and reflect on the fact they called it a people's vote. I know. I know. What? Orwellian doublespeak in your face. Yeah. And he and then when he ran for leader, you know, he gave made noises about being, you know, very, you know, the possibilities of with. I might be wrong on that, but my my recollection is that he certainly made noises about rejoining the single market. Is this guy? Is the only thing that he's skilled in the process of self advancement? Because we're now at a point where his word, you know, there's a lot about Boris's lies across the board, but this guy seems to be dishonest politically. Do you know what, Jeff? I didn't know we were going to talk about Starmer, so I didn't. I haven't got the latest update, but we. I did cover mm. it yesterday on the telly, and he was he was about to launch this five point plan. And my feeling was that he's been chatting to Blair, you know, and I and I hear things that like Blair's mm. people are around him, and I listened to the Tony Blair podcast with Alistair Campbell because I had to for my work. Uh, mm. Quite a painful experience, but <laughs> but Blair was talking about. We famously Blair was pro second referendum, as was Starmer, but then he realised okay, that's not going to work. Well, let's just accept it then and do the best we can mm. with it. And some would say, let's try and have a sort of stealth remain by you know, bringing back various things. That's possibly what they're going to do. 
But I think that Starmer's on the Blair sort of ticket now. He's on the he's on the okay. It's not going to work. You know, there's a bit in the in the piece we covered yesterday where he's like, oh, some people say you know we should we should go back and try and get back in the EU. I couldn't disagree more. It's like, oh yeah, Starmer, you're so strongly against that idea that you were in favour of ten minutes ago. But yeah, it looks like a bid to get some red wall seats back. It's not a particularly strong bid, but then again, the Tories are so weak that it may be enough, you know, to say, okay, let's accept Brexit now, Mm. years later. But the problem is, is it fine? So strategically, you can say, well, there's a reason for trying to get these last remaining ideas that he's a stealth remainer off the table. But what if no one believes you? (laughs) That's the bigger problem. He's up there going, I I couldn't disagree (laughs) more. (laughs) Emphasise point to camera. I a great impression. I was all, bre- oh, I love Brexit. Absolutely, I love it. Abs- fuck up yours, Delors, you twats. Well, yeah, will people li- like him? And and although he's been advised as well by Blair to sort of ditch the woke stuff, I noticed he did a very woke pride photo with Angela Rayner, very oh sort of God. pink, fluffy photo, and that it was kind of ludicrous-looking um, photo that I just looked at it and thought, yeah, this is what we need to combat the likes of Putin. You know what I mean? It, 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 it was kind of ridiculous. But he's can, going- we do, can we just stop mm-hmm. that point? Because that photo I was going to talk about, I thought Angela Rayner looked fantastic in that photo. And I'm going to openly admit, because women are now always crushing on male politicians. i I got a thing for Angela Rayner, right? You, you like I, her? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think she looked great. I think she looked authentic. I think she looked comfortable to be there. He was it the basic just- instinct thing that did it for you? But no, I, ju- I just, I just think she's, I think she's got charisma. There's a lot that I like about her. All right, Whereas she's no him, pretty Patel, but I do know what you mean, Jeff. <laughs> she's no. Pre- <laughs> well, I mean, only a fucking podcast like this with political nerds could you end up with a guy using that as this absolute fucking Margot Robbie style benchmark <laughs> for hot women. She's no pretty Patel. Do you know what? I said it because I, I said that um, Angela Rayla looked quite good in the House of Commons on Twitter or something. I said it so. And someone replied to me, Nick, how could you? Like, disappointed. You know, if you did. And then I said, and then I think I said, you know, she's no pretty Patel. And then they were like, now I can agree with you. Like, they couldn't even agree that you could like. Look, these really are both good. women that are, are good looking women. You know, like. It's, yeah, it's, but if they are so sort of based, you can't even like, you know, on the right, you can't even fancy Angela Rayla. That's disgusting. Do you, no, I think that she looked she looked comfortable in, in herself and while she was there. Don't you think her shoes are a bit weird, though, Jeff? Don't you look at her shoes and think she's into cosplay or something? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like she wears such that doesn't odd shoes. that doesn't make it worse for me. But okay. she, but he is wearing. See, what he should have done was just dress like Keir Starmer dresses. But instead, he's gone. Oh, I wear like a, a t-shirt, like a pride t-shirt, and it, again, it's just it's totally inauthentic. He, I mean, it's the one thing that gives him status is wearing a suit, and then you see him in jeans and yes. a pride t-shirt, and you go, "Oh my god!" It's like he's not. That's not even a. That's not even a, a deputy head teacher. That's 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 a fucking like a year eight teacher in middle. He's school. holding a sign that looks like a big pink lollipop, and the way he's looking at it, it looks like a musical, doesn't it? It looks like they're actually singing. <laughs> we are at Pride, you know. It just looks like a, a... centrist Bollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks like yeah, exactly. And there's something. Yeah, it's so wrong for Summer. And remember, remember when he tried to punch that bag, and he didn't know how to punch. It yeah. was so embarrassing in, in, in the boxing thing. It, yeah, he's not going to win people, is he, with that kind of thing? Because he's got that impossible position you've, you've alluded to. Of, he needs to keep London, essentially, and similar places, but he needs to somehow gain the so-called mm. red wall, blue wall back, and, and it's very tricky. I think the idea was that they would just say nothing for four years. 
mm. and then they would win by default. Which they could be the biggest party by default. Quite, you know, they could be the the, the lead in in a coalition. But it turns out the people that are going to get away with saying nothing and winning is the Lib Dems. No one knows right. anything about the Lib Dems at the moment. No one knows. You go right. You might know that Ed Davies' leader. Don't know any of their other people. What I don't even know what any of their policies are. You know that they're the Remain ones, right? On saying nothing, just briefly, I always wonder if. Starmer is deliberately say, not challenging Boris in the Commons, or if he's just terrible. Because when Boris was on the ropes many times recently, the no confidence vote and so on, Starmer completely fluffed it. Whereas yeah. Rayner is much tougher. And I think, okay, is he keeping Boris deliberately longer? In, you know, because he thinks that weakens the, the Tories, because he doesn't want them to sort out their leadership problem now or something. Or is he just that incompetent at, at Prime Minister's questions? So, we, you know, that was my question about that. But the Lib Dems. No idea, except on Plan B, which I keep going back to this Plan B. Remember COVID? So they actually mm. were some of the people that said, we don't want COVID passports, we don't want more restrictions. And yeah, they yeah. did say that. And I was like, okay, Lib Dems rallying a bit. But mainly they're just absolutely bonkers and, and woke these days. Yeah, and, and also when they're talking about a different electoral system, right? So they want part of the, uh, allegedly, as part of the terms of a coalition, they, um, they want first past the post to be revoked and they want proportional representation. But crucially, Nick, they want to do this without a referendum. Right. Wow. Which to me is utter bullshit, man. Like a fundamental overhaul of the electoral system. And you want to do it without really. It shows that in a way they haven't changed since the old bollocks to Brexit slogan is that they it's sort of a bollocks to democracy by the party. I mean, they, they, I mean, we can't say this often enough. And I know this joke has been done. It's that the Conservative Party aren't conservative. The Labour Party are detached from the Labour movement and the Liberal Democrats aren't especially democratic. Yeah. I know. And the SNP are actually a fucking Trojan horse. You know, they talk about nationalism, but they're a Trojan horse for quite a sort of sort of a keen brand of hard left politics. Yes, and they want to go back into the EU. Yeah, I know. The Lib Dems really lost their way. I mean, I, I used to like them because Tim Farron was our local MP back in Cumbria. He, of course, lost it over that absurd persecution about his Christian beliefs and his failure to deal with it properly. But he... Yeah, they, they, they seemed much more sensible back then. But then um, when it was, uh, what's his name, Vince Cable, he was against Trump even having a state visit and all. It was like, oh, the president mm. of the United States can't visit. It just got too silly for me. And then when they then they went really, was it was it Swinson, Joe Swinson? They just went yeah. so off the rails. I just like, they've, they've lost it. She, I mean, she was incredible, wasn't she? She was at the 2019 election. She was giving it the old go back to your constituencies and prepare for government. And now, like, if I walked into, if I walked into like, like a car phone warehouse type shop and she was a sales rep, I wouldn't even think that was weird. Okay, just a quick hype. I am going to be at the Edinburgh Festival from the 12th to the 28th of August and tickets are starting to shift. Um, so yes, uh, do that. Obviously, backstage with Catherine Ryan is still available for you to watch. Uh, Nick, people obviously should be checking out your Twitter and all your socials. Any Anything in specific that they should be coming to you for? Uh, yeah, uh, go to at Nick Dixon Comic, Nick D-I-X-O-N Comic. But also, it'd be nice if people could go to... well. For their own amusement and pleasure, go to the uh, Daily Skeptic and check out my new article on there. It's called mm. Confessions of a Conservative Rebel. Now, some people in your audience will love it. Some may not. But it's, uh, it's, it's this piece I wrote. And um, I just think, just have a read of it. You might relate to it. And it's quite amusing as well. And I'm being very humble there, but it's it's some of the best writing in the country. It's a very good article. It's a very good <laughs> I, I encourage people to have a good look at that and uh, show some support. All right, let's talk about uh, Macy Gray and Bette Midler. 
Never thought I'd say that on this podcast. Okay, so just to bring you up to date on this, because you might not be aware, but Macy Gray appeared on Piers Morgan's show on Talk TV. Sorry, Nick, I had to, I had to mention that. <laughs> uh, bit of an exclusive, but there you go. And um, she she sort of basically stated her opinion on the whole biological women debate by saying that changing your body parts and stuff doesn't make you a woman. So that's her opinion. She stated it, quite a bold move, and obviously that's attracted a bit of backlash. Similarly, Bette Midler's done a tweet it just feels so weird to be talking about Macy Gray and Ben Midler um, uh, uh, saying that they're trying to erase women with some of the attacks on sex-based language. So, you know, things like birthing people or people with vaginas, that kind of thing. Now, <clears throat> obviously, it's led to a uh, backlash, uh, you know, a lot of support in fairness. Let's, you know, let's keep this sort of objective. But what I've thought is interesting, Nick, is some of the people who've spent the last six months claiming that cancel culture doesn't exist are specifically calling for the cancellation of Macy Gray. They're literally saying, unsubscribe, don't buy her music, get her off the telly. I mean, they absolutely think that that should be the end of her career as a public entity. Don't go back and listen to I Try Ever Again. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's a saga, isn't it? That's a, a pretty much her only hit, but to my knowledge. But but we do like Macy She's very cool, isn't she, Macy Gray? When she says things, she kind of sounds cool and sweet. Whatever she, say, she said, just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman. Sorry, I know that for a fact. And it, but you still thought, you know, it still sounded quite cool. But but obviously she's got in horrific trouble for it. But she's she's not backing down. She just replied to India Willoughby about this, who was sort of saying, oh, your career, what what was left of your career is over. And she just wrote, truth hurts. Macy wrote, truth hurts. And that's been getting loads of likes on Twitter. So she's standing yeah, by Yeah, India Willoughby, who's become very vocal on this, also inc- accused both women of uh, invoking fascist demagoguery. Um, nice. And, 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 you know, deploying the tactics of people, including Goebbels. Uh, I think, if you know, given that Bette Midler is Jewish, big shout, I would say, to accuse them of using Goebbels strategies, but there you it's go. Bonk, isn't it? I, I feel like with Midler, I feel the same about Macy Gray, that Bette, they're all over the map. So Bette Midler, I was criticising earlier because she did this quasi-racist tweet, tweet about Clarence Thomas, certainly a very yeah. stupid tweet. Then again, she's right on this issue. Macy Gray wrote an absurd article about we need to get rid of the US flag, and it's just absolute nonsense. Mm. But then again, she's right on this. And it's just funny when you say it's bizarre that we're talking about these two, because you never know who it's going to be, do you? Like, Ian Brown comes out anti-vax, like, right said Fred, criticising mm. a lot of that. Like, who saw that coming? It just throws up these bizarre Where, weren't, Je- weren't Jedward very pro-vax? <laughs> It's a weird on it. Richie from Five now follows me and seems pretty base. You know what I mean? The world's got very strange. <laughs> there are a couple of DJs actually, a couple of hard trance DJs that came out as very civil liberties. I do, you know, you could almost break it down by genre. One thing I would say about Macy Gray is that what happens tends to happen is you get people that might have liked her or instinctively thought she was a cool artist. Uh, uh, accuse her of of underhand, like they sort of, again, just like with sort of saying Andrew Doyle's not not actually gay, you know, or jokes aren't really jokes. They try to say, well, she's doing this for a reason or she's trying to be famous again or she's, you know, she's caught in the Murdoch press. She she will know that this will play out badly with a certain, quite a large section of her fan base, right? And and given the... And there is a jeopardy in that. Don't get me wrong. You know, JK Brown on one side, there are people that will support you. But the, it's a shitstorm that you don't necessarily need to walk into either way, right? She could have not just said anything. What I don't get is why can't they at least just accept that that's what she truly thinks, whether or not it makes you angry or upset, but to at least give her the credit of saying that is her opinion. I, I think it's absolutely her opinion. And she said before, I'm going to be hated for this, but 
Yeah, one thing she strikes me as is, is absolutely authentic. She's an artist. She, she very much goes with how she feels. This bizarre article about the US flag was very much like, this is just what I think. She's all over the map with her views, but one thing about them is they seem to be completely authentic. And actually, that makes them seem even more authentic, that they're not consistent. She's not sticking to mm. any particular line. She just says what she thinks. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that, that she went on to say, and this won't have been shown as much, is about, she talks about the experience of growing up as a little girl. Because this is something I often think, like, when you try and understand like why the gender-critical movement do see such a fundamental difference. Now, the British public do... A majority seem to think that if you have physical reassignment, then you are essentially a woman, right? That actually has a majority view. The British public are against the idea on balance of self-identification, right? So where the gender-critical movement get passionate about is that the idea that, that even if you spent a bit of your life not being a woman, that that means that you are fundamentally a bit different, whether it's 3% different, but they see a difference. And it got me thinking about the experience of being female, like of having a cycle, right? you know, of having menstruation, all these things. is that it's, and it's just, it's just a, such a fundamental thing, isn't it? That maybe women are just more dialed into their bodies because there's this ongoing thing every month, you know, that has hormonal changes in it. You see the evidence of lots of different things happening within you. Maybe that is something more fundamental than I understand. Jeff, are you essentially saying the entire gender critical movement is because they're on their period? Wow, I mean, I can absolutely <laughs> see why you you would you would stitch me up in that way, but it. I no, that's I what mean, you meant. Well, because men aren't dialed into their bodies. I mean, we get like random erections, we go through puberty, but we spend a lot of our life where, unless something goes fundamentally wrong, like bollock cancer or going bald, we're, like our body isn't talking to us, right? It's not Are you talking saying, to is us. This why it's that way round? I mean, why it's mainly that way round, or what? Because I've noticed it's, it's only ever people talk about. Trying to become women. No one's really talking about trying to become men, but that, that's to do with. Well, the we whole... can, we can, no, we can absolutely come on to that. But I was thinking, okay. where, where, where you get people, you know, like J.K. Rounds and Macy Gray digging in on such a fundamental level is because, because that part. And I know that they would then say, well, some women, some women born women don't have wombs, and some women don't have cycles. Fine, but you're talking about the exception rather than the rule. That that aspect to them of womanhood is so elemental that they will always see at least a, a shade of difference between somebody who became a woman during the course of their life? I, it's an interesting theory. I generally think it's to do with the idea that they can lose their rights very easily, that they've fought for rights. And I think mm. it's also to do with feeling genuinely under threat in certain circumstances. I think it's those two things personally. Though it's an interesting theory you've got, but I, I think it's personally just those. I mean, it sounds a bit hippie, doesn't it? Women are just more dialed into their bodies, man. But I, I think there's something in it. I mean, listen, if you're listening, and I know I get feedback from people who have transitioned and, and, and people on the gender critical side, you probably, I don't even know if that's the right word, but email me what most people think uk at gmail.com. Does the fundamental experience of women being more dialed into their bodies, I mean, do, do, you know, if you're doing a talk radio phone in, this would be the worst question to throw out because it's so fucking half baked and, and complicated. Does the experience of being dialed into your body on an elemental level uh, change your experience yeah. of womanhood? The, the the switchboards are lighting up, Nick. It sounds like you've been doing Pilates or yoga or something and you've just come up with that. Yeah, no, I just, it's, it's I, a little I, bit new age for me, Jeff. They're a bit new age. I think I'm onto something here. I'm basically mansplaining um, <laughs> both, both gender critical and trans activists to both women who are born women and women who transition. That is, I think I've reached peak mansplaining. <laughs> Just coming, circling back to your point, which I think is, is a fair one, is about where is the fuss about women becoming men? Do you have a view on why there's less fuss about this? 
Yeah, I do. I think it's because, I mean, I haven't thought about it loads, Jeff, but let's go for it anyway. I think it's essentially because of this sometimes called the oppression Olympics or the, you know, the, sort, of, the sort of woke hierarchy, mm. whatever you want to call it. And by the way, you accused me last time of at GB News, we have to say woke a certain number of times. I've certainly hit the quota today. I'm just throwing it out there. Ding, 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 it, ding, ding. But we all know it's just a useful word now, isn't it? But no one wants to be a man. It's, it's not a cool thing to be in the culture. It's the worst thing you can be. Whereas there's a certain kudos in, in being a woman. It's, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a war between different oppressed groups, whereas no one really wants to be a man. And if you do become a man, no one really cares. And there, and there is, of course, also the safety element. And there is that as well, that if you, mm. if you become a woman, but you're biologically a man, those are the people that they're worried about having in changing rooms. And of course, those are the people that can essentially ruin women's sports by winning all the time. And the same, it wouldn't be true in reverse. So it mm. is that as well. Yeah, the, the stakes certainly feel less high. And it is, I mean, it, it's just a, a slight anomaly, isn't it? I don't know if the numbers back this up or whether there are much more people. It feels like there are more trans- people transitioning to be women than to be men. And it, it just does fly in the face of the established orthodoxy that it is easier and more beneficial to be a man. I know. And it, and it, but it is odd that, of course, it gets called misogyny. A lot of the stuff to do with men transitioning to being women gets called oh, this is just men, because it's biological men. A lot of the gender-critical people say, oh, it's men being misogynist again against us. And I think it's quite funny that if you call something misogynist, it's the worst thing you can call it. So even in, this de- even in that debate, men still mm. come out the worst somehow. Because I don't really think it is misogynist. I think the whole trans issue, there's definitely loads of issues around this d- debate that are complicated, but I don't think misogyny particularly comes into it, in my opinion. Well, and also what I've done there, and I'll get kickback of that, was I implied I, I was implying that the decision to transition would be based on perceived benefits, economically, <laughs> <laughs> which I think that would just piss off everybody. Okay, we just got time for a couple of quick letters before we go. We had a guy on last week's show who was. Uh, well, he he had a complaint about him, Nick, because he'd used the phrase. I think he, I can't. Oh, that's it. He'd used the phrase Mexican standoff. So we were talking about these people at work that just complain about fucking everything. And I was saying he was saying that he was just going to double down and use as many sort of national stereotype based phrases as he could. A couple of people uh, have messaged in. Um, he said, "Going Dutch, of course. Going Welsh on a deal. Is that? Have you ever heard that to renege on a deal?" I thought that was Welch. Ah, like yeah, yeah. You Welch. I think, yeah, that's what I thought. But I think the guy, this guy, evidently uh, Ian Giblet. I think you might want to have another <laughs> look at that one, mate. I, I don't think it's Welsh on a deal. Uh, Renee got a deal. Uh, we also have one from Stephen Pearson uh, talking about Dutch uncle, Dutch courage, going Dutch. Is speaking double Dutch? The Dutch come in for an absolute pasting. I'm now just trying to re- revise and check if I write on that, but that's not, it. Doesn't make for a great podcast. People looking up stuff. What's this, Joe Rogan? We've got a guy doing internet. I mean, <laughs> fucking hell, we're evolving here. Um, Spanish practices? I, I it might be actually had... to do with the Welsh, so we may be wrong. So we may, it, he might have been right. Well, somebody uh, questioned me the other day about the use of throwing a paddy, and I was like, oh, fuck, Does, was there some old sport or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, this, it, well, I'll let you finish the list, but there, I've got a couple as well. Throwing a paddy, but, but apparently like, throwing a paddy does come back to uh, Irish stereotypes about Irish people getting the quotes uppity obviously when the brits are coming over and seizing land apparently that is where it comes from so i guarantee wow. that that'll, that'll be a phrase that'll start well, getting people we used to have that or stecky didn't we but what's stecky i don't even know what that is i don't Throwing know what a that is. do you not have that i don't know what i don't know what which nation that relates to no i don't 
French leave, French letter, um, Chinese burn, if you want to really push the envelope. Um, yeah, well, we, I noticed the scouts have just released all these. Did you see this? The girl guides did mm. it, and then the scouts followed up. We did this article. It's very annoying. They were getting rid of every offensive word, so they can't even say Chinese whispers anymore. They have to say broken telephone. And apparently it was offensive to say down under for Australia. I mean, that is... Down, why? Oh, because it's not, it's not objectively down. Even Steve N. Allen, the, the lefty from the BBC, he was hosting the show. He said, I thought this was going to be one of these Daily Mail stories that's just designed to wind you up and it's not actually happening. But it yeah. is happening. The scouts so, have gone woke. And the scouts should be the most manly, non-woke environment. You should go off to the woods with another man, have weird masculine rituals. You should kill some sort of animal and you should become a man and get a badge or something. I, I, I'm not familiar with the details, but it's definitely not a woke organisation. Do you know what? For now. the first time in the history of this podcast, I'm going to allow that to be the closing sentiment of the show. I, I love that. You should go off to the woods with a man, have a weird experience, <laughs> kill an animal with your bare hands. I don't know if you said bare hands, but I'm, I'm throwing that in there. That, ladies and gentlemen, is all we got time for this week. As a proper Alan Partridge on that bombshell, uh, but I just <laughs> want to say uh, thanks to uh, Nick Dixon. Fa- Nick, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be back with another podcast next week. <laughs>